0: Oh
1: oh oh
2: oh oh
3: oh And welcome to another episode of our podcast, How Nigeria Works. But doesn't. I know, I know. We're terrible people. But Andy said on the last podcast, we're Nigerians, so... We don't work. (laughs) (laughs) My name is Sandra. I'm Andy. And this um episode we will talk about why nigeria's independence doesn't work so 58 years later interestingly um 1958 was when nigerians started to look forward to the independence uh day declaration for two whole years You know, everyone was looking forward to October 1960. Now, I wasn't born at that time. I didn't. I don't know this for myself, but I read a book like every smart person that I know. So, for two whole years before October uh, 1, 1960, every Nigerian was eagerly looking forward to that day. And finally, the great day arrived. Nigeria was indeed an independent sovereign nation and we all thought our problems will end the colonial people let me say colonizers that's what the young people did i just say the young people that's what the young people call
2: okay grandma
3: <laughs> that's what the young people call them the colonizers had finally left we could have our wakanda now you know and then six years later nigeria experienced his first coup So you begin to wonder, um, were we not ready? for this were we not prepared to become independent i mean one would think that just like all the other nations like was it 17 other nations that were in that got independent in the same year 1960 17 sub-saharan african nations and 14 of them were former french colonies and all of these nations were gearing up for their independence post the second world war one would think that you were ready to run your country if you're agitating to run your country by yourself. I'm such a reverse girl or Niger Delta girl. I say agitating. <laughs> it's such a part of our lingua in these words. So one would think that um if you are one of the countries who won so bad after the war and you enter an agreement, or oh, the only reason we'll support you to go to war is that you're going to give us independence, you're ready to actually be independent. You know, so how do you mess it up so badly within the first six years? That's a question that I think everybody has on their minds, and then it's not it's not unique to Nigeria either. For some years, it took longer than six years. For some others, it started to fall apart immediately. So countries like Cameroon, uh, like Togo, like Madagascar, like Democratic Republic of the Congo, Somalia, Benin Republic, Niger. Was it Niger? Niger Niger, Niger, Burkina Faso, Ivory Coast, Chad, Central African Republic, the Republic of the Congo, Gabon. Notice that I'm calling all of these African countries who we who got independent who got their independence between January and December 1960. Yes. And I don't think I've mentioned any country that we can be like, huh, that's a shining beacon.
2: Yeah, they're doing great.
3: Yeah. <laughs> There's also uh, Senegal, Mali, of course, Nigeria, Mauritania and a host of others. So you begin to wonder, um, what is it that happened to the babies that were born in 1960, as far as nations are concerned? Were we just not ready, Andy?
2: That's one of the problems. None of us were ready. Okay. That's one problem. So the people taking over were not ready.
3: Okay.
1: But
2: apart from that, Mm. the people doing the handing over Mm. had set up these countries that were almost all to a single one doomed to fail
3: what does so, that mean
2: so okay the colonial powers mm. and specifically i'm talking about great britain france and portugal mm. who did most of the colonizing in africa mm-hmm. they created these countries mm-hmm. they cut them from whole cloth mm. they they drew the boundaries and they created nations mm. Uh, I use the term nations loosely because those nations that were created in Africa, mm-hmm. these 50-something countries, mm-hmm. are very different from the countries that created them. Not They're right. very different from Britain,
1: Not France. Right. That's right. Uh,
2: okay, so let me, let's, 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 let's play a little game.
3: Okay.
2: Um, what's the ethnicity of the people who come from Portugal?
3: Um, Portuguese.
2: Exactly. Mm-hmm. What language do they speak?
3: Portuguese.
2: Okay, the people from France, what's their tribe? French. What language do they speak? French. The people from Nigeria, what's their tribe?
3: Um. Uh-huh. Um.
2: Uh-huh. Uh huh. So like you can't say tribe, you have to say tribes. Yeah. What's their tribe? What are their tribes? Uh-huh. Uh huh. And you can, in Nigeria, you can say Fulani, Hausa, Yoruba, Ibu, uh, Ijo uh, within Ijo you have so many and uh-huh. you can go to Berom and Igala uh-huh. and, uh-huh. and, uh-huh. and Nupé and Tiv, Tiv. Uh-huh. and what language uh-huh. do they, and they speak all these languages
3: that's right
2: and here's the thing these countries were getting independence in 1960 uh-huh. a century before then in the 1800s uh-huh it had become settled conventional wisdom in Europe mm. that the best way to ensure that a country works mm. was to make sure that country was ethnically homogeneous, mm. And if possible, even religiously homogeneous.
1: Mm.
2: Britain was a more or less ethnically homogeneous nation state. That's what we call them. We call them nation states. That's right. That is a state that houses a nation. Mm. A nation is a tribe or an ethnicity. Mm. And a state is a... Is actually a legal entity that's right that has a bo- has borders, and has a government, and all of that. That's the machinery, mm-hmm. the institutions. But then the nation is the tribe, mm-hmm. so you have one nation, one state, a nation state. Mm-hmm. The French had their nation state, France, the Spaniards had their nation state, Spain, and they all realized that this is the best way to have a country work.
0: Mm. Uh,
2: for instance, so for instance, in the 1870s, when one of my favorite characters in history, Otto von Bismarck was creating Germany out of dozens of states scattered across Europe. Mm -hmm. He unified them into one state, Germany. Uh, One of the reasons why Austria, which is a German-speaking country, was left out of that union was that the Austrians were predominantly Catholic Mm -hmm. while the rest of the Germans were predominantly Protestant. Mm -hmm. And they were like, you know what? We want to be not only ethnically Mm homogenous, but also religiously homogenous.
3: Smart, if you ask me.
2: Yes. Mm -hmm. So... That's what the Europeans did in Europe. But in Africa, they created states that were ethnically heterogeneous,
1: Mm.
2: linguistically heterogeneous, Mm. religiously heterogeneous. Mm. And something Mm. interesting happens whenever you have that. You you have these states populated by multiple ethnic groups Mm -hmm. who have an ethnic identity. Mm -hmm. And that ethnic identity is now stronger than the national identity.
0: Mm
2: -hmm. So people feel they are more than nigerian
1: mm-hmm.
2: more yoruba than nigerian that's right they feel they are more um than ugandan hmm. they feel they are more you know they, whatever they are, they are than the than, a than the nation hmm. then you introduce democracy party politics and something happens you see that the parties start to represent the ethnic groups that's right. so in nigeria the NPN. Yes, we had um you had um the NCNC here in the East mm-hmm. and the N C N C was a predominantly Eastern party mm-hmm. and the East East was predominantly Igbo. Mm-hmm. You have you had the action group in the West and it was predominantly a Western party and the West was predominantly Yoruba. Mm. You had the uh you have the NPC in the north mm. and that's predominantly Fulan, Hausa Fulani House of Fulani and but also plenty um, smaller ethnic groups that mm-hmm. are a very su- substantial mi- minority there, mm-hmm. but you see the three major parties in Nigeria were along ethnic lines, and you go to most parts of Africa, mm-hmm. the same model Applies. applied. Mm-hmm. Like in Uganda where I grew up, uh, one of the major parties was called the Kabaka Yeka, mm-hmm. and that was a party for mostly the ethnic Baganda. I have other parties, then you had the UPC.
3: Sounds very African, Baganda.
2: Wakanda. <laughs> And then you had UPC that was a predominantly northern party. So mm. that always happens. So then what happens? You go to elections, and elections majority wins, so the largest party wins, mm. which means the largest tribe
3: wins. Uh-huh. and the British had already made the north largest tribe.
2: Exactly. You know. So what that hap- what 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 that creates a situation where, like, unlike say, let's look at it in Europe where in Britain it's all you know, it's one tribe or France more it's less all one tribe. People. Yes. Mm-hmm. So the parties are not on tribal lines, the parties end up being on ideological lines. That's right. So conservatives and um, say the conservatives and Labour. Mm. So if the conservatives lose the election today, they know that all we need to do is convince more young people to Become switch from Labour to Conservative, That's right. and we can win in four or five years' time. Mm. But if the Eboes lose the election to the Hausa Party how do you convince young people to switch from the Hausa Party to, to the Igbo, Igbo Party? Party? They can't change their ethnicity.
3: And if you look at that model, it still applies even today. It does. That's why you have the APGA for the Igbo people. Yes. You have the APC, that yes. is the Yoruba Party, yes. even though there was like an amalgamation back in 2014. Was it 2014 that we had that marriage? Yes,
1: 2014. 20,
3: 2014, there was that marriage that gave birth to it. But before that, Action Congress was initially a very Yoruba... Euro- Party. Right. You know? And
2: they made it, they had a marriage to the predominantly northern party, party the CPC. Right. Mm-hmm. But even within that new party, the APC that was created, mm. you still have the northern faction mm-hmm. and the western faction. Mm-hmm. They're still there. Mm-hmm. So it's still the, the, the ethnic blocks are still there, subsumed under a national umbrella.
3: So you can actually say that our parties have ideologies in a way. Well, yes. The ideologies I've
2: always said, I've always said, like, so for instance, mm. um, Nigeria for most of the fourth republic from mm-hmm. 1999 mm-hmm. until recently mm-hmm. has only had one national party mm-hmm. up until now until the birth of the APC as a second national party mm-hmm. the PDP was the only national party the People's Democratic Party mm-hmm. the only party that you could not say oh it's stronger in a particular region yeah. or it's stronger among a particular ethnic group it was strong everywhere, everywhere yeah. and the reason why the PDP was able to be strong everywhere mm-hmm. is that for the first time in Nigerian history, mm-hmm. it had a solution to the ethnic politics. Mm. And PDP's solution was simple. Zoning. Zoning and rotation. Mm. Every ethnic group will have a chance at every position. Mm. And you do that by saying, okay, you know, for today, in this election, mm-hmm. this you, you you this ethnic group, you go. You go. Tomorrow, mm-hmm. the next one, even though they are smaller than you, they, like, go. they are less populous than you, they will go. Mm. And it goes round. So every ethnic group knows, That's all we have chance. to do is wait our turn. Yeah. Now, they are... There are advantages and disadvantages to this. Mm-hmm. It's not the most democratic system in the world, mm-hmm. but it gets rid of that African problem. We need to, and let me get back to what I was saying that brought us here. Mm-hmm. So, when you have a situation where elections are based on ethnic lines, mm-hmm. and one ethnic group cannot overtake another ethnic group in terms of population, mm-hmm. that ethnic group knows that they are bound to lose every election forever and ever and ever. Mm-hmm. So, at that point, those minority ethnic groups come to a realization that democracy can never favor them. Mm. And so they have an incentive to turn to non-democratic means to get power. Mm. And we see it all across Africa, shortly after independence, Mm. after usually the second round Mm. of elections. Mm -hmm. People who have lost elections twice in a row, Mm -hmm. turn to military coups or turn to civil wars. Mm. And that happened in so many of the countries that got their independence between 58 and 60. In fact, it is in sixty-two. We see it in Uganda. We see it in Nigeria. Nigeria's example is one of the most glaring. Mm. We, we, we happen to have the most... I, I don't want to use the word celebrated, but the most notorious civil war. Mm. But that's only because we're the largest nation yes. that went to war. Yes. So ours... And we had the terrible humanitarian crisis.
3: At the time we got independent, we were 34 million
2: people. Exactly. Mm. Um, officially. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, so that's why ours gets the most... Press, press time, time, yeah. But it happened everywhere. Mm. In our case, again, it was predominantly ethnic Igbos who were mm. one of the smaller tribes, small of the, the small, one of the smaller three major tribes mm-hmm. who took on that coup. Mm. And you, you see that pattern repeated everywhere. So basically, what I'm saying is, the British and the French mm-hmm. and the Portuguese created nations who were doomed to have tribal parties mm-hmm. and whose tribal parties were doomed to take on, you know, extra-democratic means to take power, doomed to have wars, doomed to have ethnic conflicts. Doomed to have
3: structural issues.
2: Doomed to have structural issues.
3: So, um, one could could say that the British and the Portuguese and the Spanish uh, And and the French... We're not exactly creating countries that could become independent.
2: Yes, because they they never, they didn't have that in mind when they were creating the countries to begin with. these, Most of these borders were drawn in the late 1800s. For convenience. For convenience Mm. after the Berlin Conference. Mm. And those countries were created for, okay, what's the easiest space for us to Administer mm. was the easiest space that allows us to move resources from one place to the other mm. that makes things easier for export to our economies. Mm. So basically, the 54 nations on the African continent mm. were created as good, you know, looting points. Mm. You know, so it was a situation where it was never m- meant for these countries were never meant to be autonomous yeah. and to run without. External powers, external powers Mm. running them, and externally keeping the peace. Mm -hmm. So as soon as that power left, and this country left their own devices,
3: they had to eat themselves. Was natural.
2: And to be fair, and you know, if if you think about it, this is not an excuse. Mm. This is just the challenge we faced. Mm. Every country on earth has its existential challenges let's mm-hmm. call it that mm-hmm. the question now becomes how do you overcome them and that is where the africans have failed mm. we have failed to overcome these existential problems now we look at an example we look at india india mm-hmm. got their independence in 1948 mm-hmm. now that's about 20, 22, 22 years, years, before, years before, before we did for, before mm-hmm. we did mm-hmm. oh, was it, or is it
3: yeah 22 years 48 no
2: no it's 12 years before we did yeah, so yes um, so you're infecting me with your math <laughs> So, uh So India got their independence. And India, uh, the India that got independent is not the India we see on the map today. Mm. It's a combination of three countries. um, India, Pakistan, Bangladesh. Mm. And when they got their independence, they had the same problems we're having. Ethnic and religious issues.
3: And they woke up and they said, you know what? No.
2: And they ended up dividing themselves. Mm. And the division was painful. The division came with atrocities. That's right. Terrible atrocities. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people lost lives. A lot mm-hmm. of lost their homes, their livelihoods. Everything they had ever known. Forced displacement. Mm-hmm. People who had lived in what is today India their whole lives were forced to move to what is today Pakistan right. and start over and vice versa. Mm-hmm. So it was a terrible thing. In the long run, it brought stability.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, India and Pakistan are always either at war or about to be at war mm-hmm. with each other. But <laughs> internally, they had... Like at least India. They have a instance.
3: better working... Yes, they have yeah. Yes.
2: They, there's, India has more stability today than it would have had mm. if it had remained united like, with Pakistan. Sure. But we were not able or willing or interested in looking at those types and of having solutions.
3: those conversations. No, we didn't want to have those Why conversations. Why do you think
2: so? Uh, because uh, part of the issue was that from the beginning, there were lots of dependencies, interdependencies.
3: Yeah.
2: Yeah. Uh, so a lot of the time you have in most of the in the African countries, mm. yeah, a situation where one of the major tribes
3: would supplies have, the food.
2: Yes, for instance, uh, uh, another one supplies you know you know the civil servants. Mm. Another one supplies the military. Mm. So there was always this issue of if we go, who
3: where do, do we do get this what?
2: for us? You know who would do this for us? So trade. You know, but the I think part of it was like again, I and mean, then that's a failing of the.
3: British? No,
2: of the first set of African leaders, independent African leaders. They were
3: handpicked by the British. They were trained by the British. Was their training flawed? Was their education f- half hazard? Because I mean, if we're here, I mean, we can say, oh, we had hind- we have h- hindsight, if and we so we have the you know, yeah. But I mean, one would think that you, as far back as the fifties, you would know that you know what we can actually trade.
2: Yes, I think it, it was also there was also greed. Hmm. There were because when you trade, you have to pay. Hmm. But if, if it's together, if you're together, somebody can take advantage, and yeah. say, you know. So and there's this power, you know. Even the even the push for independence hmm. coming when it came, hmm. a lot of the time was motivated by the. Leadership, the elite of the you know political elite of, of, of the African nations, mm. wanting to take over from the British. Mm. It was oh, we want our country to be free. Why do you think it they weren't the way, ready? We want to be in charge.
3: Why do you think they weren't ready?
2: Okay, let's look at a country like DR Congo, for example, Democratic Republic of Congo. Mm. The, the Democratic Republic of Congo did not have enough civil servants to staff even half of their offices.
3: The service, mm. yeah.
2: Before they went, they, they declared independence they didn't have the staff. They just did not have the depth of education training. They didn't have it. Mm. But they were insisting, no, we gotta go. Mm. You know, so there was that. Uh, you know, so you, you see a lot of that.
3: Let's look at Nigeria. Let's focus on Nigeria. It okay. is our independence after all. Yes. Nah, not the our Congos. So Nigeria in itself, why, why are we not ready? I mean, we make all of that fuss. We have all of those meetings. We make all of those fantastic speeches by the man with the golden boys. Mm-hmm. Why were we still not ready?
2: But you just said it all. We had those meetings. You know, and that's it's a problem that persists in Nigeria till mm. today. Okay. There's a lot, a lot of the time when it comes to diplomacy, mm. when it comes to politics. There's a lot of noise at the top levels Mm -hmm. and not enough hard work at the lowest levels. Gotcha. That happens all the time. Gotcha. You know when you know when I was a kid, we used to talk about the difference between high diplomacy and low diplomacy. (laughs) High diplomacy is you know the presidents going to sit down and they have they stand up after their closed door meeting and they come out and stand in front of the flags and mm. the youth journalists ask them all these questions. That's a high diplomacy. Mm-hmm. But all the the real nitty gritty work is done in little committee rooms mm. by people like young people in their twenties and thirties that nobody ever hears about and mm. they're the ones kind of these files and papers and getting down to the brass tacks. Mm. And when you look at things that happened in the fifties leading up to independence and in the sixties, you see that there was a serious lack of of that kind of low level extreme competence
3: again because the people who created the nation were not looking to hand it over they
2: were not looking to hand so it there over.
3: was no need to, to train, train people who can um or who were qualified to run the country yes and so they just basically picked the most qualified yes. and the most qualified were not necessarily the most qualified exactly and the people who wanted to take over the country hmm.
2: decided that that was not in itself a, a big enough problem. They decided it was not a big enough problem that we, could, we, we can we can wing it. We got this.
3: <laughs> you
2: know, we got this. How hard can it be to run a country? Yes. By God's grace. Yes. I mean, there's, there's also that. It is well. Yes.
3: It's yes. a yeah, yes. so very Nigerian thing,
2: yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How, how hard is it really? God to,
3: day, God day.
2: Uh-huh. No go to
3: Good job, good job. Okay, so we've been trying and guarding it and daying it for the past 58 years. And we've established that we just weren't ready because there were not enough trained people. There were not enough deep thinkers. There were not enough strategists. There were probably not enough economists um, to to know what to do with a country like Nigeria because it's such a melting pot, you know? Yeah. So we've established that. But um, there's something we know how to do very well. We know how to copy. Mm-hmm. And we looked at the British and we said, you know what? We like how they're doing their government. Let's copy that. And we looked at the Americans as well because the Americans were also supervising um, the the handover of governments, yes, you know, at the time. So, we looked at the American system as well. Was, hmm, we like how they are doing their own as well. Let's copy a bit of it, and then we launched the government with a parliamentary system, yes. And, um, centuries after, is it up to, can I say centuries after the British have been doing the parliamentary yes. system, yes, it's still working for them, yes. But we tried it for what, how many years did we try the parliamentary Six system, years. and it didn't work, mm-hmm. why.
2: This is what happens when you copy a system from another people who grew that system organically. Mm. The parliamentary system in Britain came up step by step, inch by inch, over over almost a millennium. Mm. It's a product of almost a millennium of work. You know, I mean, some people will argue that the very first step of the parliament was Magna Carta in twelve fifteen. Twelve fifteen. You know, so that's how long ago they've been. Building this institution, mm. it's it came from a place of this is our culture, mm. this is how we view power, this is how we view you know the way government should work, mm-hmm. and it, it's been part of them. Mm. But then we just appear people from a completely different culture. Really different completely different question which,
3: on our exam sheet.
2: Yeah, and um. we say okay, ah, right, this won't work here, and and that, and to be fair. Mm. That was also, like, that, again, the blame is shared between Hmm. the Africans who took the system Mm -hmm. and the British who gave it to them. Hmm. Because the British should have also realized that, look, this thing thing can't work. work. And here's the thing, you know, it shouldn't have shocked anybody that the parliamentary system would fail. Why? Okay, we've already talked about how democracies in in multi-ethnic nations Mm -hmm. are fragile because... The parties tend to be along ethnic lines right. meaning that the smaller tribes will always be the losing tribes mm-hmm. in elections mm-hmm. and so they are more likely to turn to violence mm-hmm. and extra elective means to trying get, get power so already there's that pressure on the democracy mm-hmm. now we've there's a second fragility mm-hmm. of parliamentary systems mm-hmm. The British parliamentary system was one of the first in Europe, the first democracies in Europe. Mm-hmm. So when democracy spread through Europe, mm-hmm. everybody just copied the parliamentary system, mm-hmm. the British parliamentary system, mm-hmm. and that worked until the 20th century, when so many parliamentary systems across Europe failed. The two most, uh, the two most obvious and f- notorious ones, mm-hmm. the Italian Republic mm-hmm. collapsed, mm-hmm. and then in Germany, the Weimar Republic collapsed. Okay, and. That the collapse of the Weimar Republic is what gave us Adolf Hitler
1: hmm. and
2: the collapse of the Republic in Italy is what gave us Mussolini at ah, the same time. Interesting. Yes. <laughs> and why did they collapse? Because here's what happens with pilot. with Pirate. What did
3: ours give us?
2: It gave us a civil war. Yeah. Uh,
3: so it gave us uh what's his name again?
2: It, it was, gave us um Go, um Gowan and on. Ojuku. Yes, it gave us uh, Gowan si and Ojuku. Yeah. Yeah. Because what happens in parliamentary systems is... It's
3: not too bad in the scheme of things. Maybe they just focus on Nigeria.
2: Yeah, it's like, yeah. On, like, we, we will only kill our own people. Yeah. We will go no kill people from, you know. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Mm.
2: yeah. But, you know, because what happens with parliamentary systems is if you don't have a majority in parliament, government collapses.
1: Mm.
2: So, governments... And so, in, in once, your polity, once your polity is heated... Once there's a lot of argument and strife and disunity in your polity, mm-hmm. the government can't last.
3: So are Italians not homogeneous?
2: Uh no, they were not Now they their own their own scatter scatter was not because of um ethnicity. Okay. Their own scatter scatter was due to like politics, tr- um, um class, uh. warfare, there were issues, ideology. Uh. So and in cause of so that was in the midst of the Great Depression. Yeah, yeah, so it yeah. caused a lot of fragmentation. Okay same thing in germany as well okay. and in other places Poland.
3: how did britain manage to um surpass all of this
2: because it was their thing they've yeah. been doing it for centuries now we get them now we get them it's part of it's part of our culture it's part of our ethnic makeup if you know be panado i you know if you be like panado that's right <laughs> if you know be panado you know fit be
3: panado peep tutelu how you beat hitler okay so so
2: yeah so the parliamentary system was more or less bound to fail Mm -hmm. here and so that's why you have like even till today you have places like France Mm -hmm. and Germany who have a parliamentary system Mm -hmm. they mix it with presidential system. Mm-hmm. Like in France, you have a very strong president mm-hmm. who is separate from the parliamentary system. Mm-hmm. Then you have a prime minister who is a product of mm-hmm. it. And so they, they sort of mix the systems. Mm. So after the civil war, when we, re- we recovered from the war,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and after and then Gowan ruled as a military head of state, mm-hmm. Yakubu Gawan mm-hmm. for almost 10 years, mm-hmm. when he was finally overthrown by another military coup mm-hmm. by General Murtala Muhammad. Murtala Muhammad... And uh, his Mm second-in-command and later his successor, General Lucegmo Bassenger, they decided that they wanted to restore democracy. And they looked at the situation and they assessed what had gone wrong in the First Republic and they realized, look, the problem is parliamentary system is too unstable. Mm -hmm. Let's get something else. And they said, oh, look, the American system works. Let's do that. Let's try that one.
3: Let's copy that.
2: Because at least there, even if the... Congress, the legislative chamber, Mm. is like all scattered and, um, you know, there's disunity there. It does not affect the executive because the executive is separate from the legislature. Mm -hmm. The head of state remains the head of state and he's the head of government. Mm -hmm. And so even if Congress isn't united, he can still run the country. So that's a better system for us. Mm -hmm. That was the feeling. But, you know, the issues still remained. You know, we we still have other issues like... uh,
3: well, the old, the old issues were still there.
2: The old issues were still there. Mm-hmm. The old issues and were now still we there. have newer issues. We now have newer issues. Mm. Because now, apart from our tribal problems we had from the beginning, mm-hmm. we now have corruption.
3: Mm-hmm. Which is... Which we institutionalized.
2: Yes, we did. Mm. Because, like some of us will tell you, because the country as it is set up is designed to give... to incentivize corruption.
3: Hmm.
2: The way Nigeria is set up, hmm. corruption is...
3: The only way to go.
2: It's the most logical choice <laughs> for a reasonable economic actor in government.
3: <sighs> My God. But again, to be fair, it's not like Nigeria is the only place where corruption is practiced, in government or out of it. It's everywhere else. It's just that in other places, it's not celebrated. Then you get punished for it if you get caught.
2: In other places... Um, Tiberius, Tiberius Caesar, mm. emperor of Rome, had a very he had a quote I love, and he was he used it in, in the context of tax. He was trying to teach, uh, I think was he teaching uh, Caligula I think, mm.
1: mm-hmm.
2: the, how to tax, and he said, "With tax, you have to shear the sheep,
1: mm.
2: not skin it." You know, so it's take something, but let the, let the animal still be alive.
1: Mm.
2: You know, and that's how corruption is in most places. Corruption goes on. But, corruption goes on, mm-hmm. but it's not so endemic that it damages the, the, the economy. What happens is, surely because most of the time, governments and other countries mm-hmm. rely on tax. They don't tax to function, so it's even tax money that they're trying to embezzle. <laughs> so the better the country works, mm-hmm. the more tax money is available, mm-hmm. the more money can be siphoned away into all kinds of funny places. Mm-hmm. And so... Governments have an incentive for to keep the economies running. American government is very corrupt, but they know that they need to keep the economy on track. But mm. That's the only mm. way they can get money out of mm. things. Now, in Nigeria, we have oil. And not just that we have oil, but the oil is owned by the government, basically, mm. is where Nigeria has now been set up. Mm. Oil is no longer, it's not in private hands. So, government has direct revenues from oil. And this was a gradual process, by the way. I, fairly gradual but it became very very pronounced immediately after the civil war. Yeah. Immediately after the civil war.
3: They were like, yeah, bring that in. Bring don't
2: want to use that? Don't play, don't play. We <laughs> got... No, 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 no. So, once that became the case, uh-huh. government's revenue, and government's survival,
1: mm-hmm.
2: was no longer tied to the life of the sheep. So, government did not need to share the sheep. Government could skin the sheep if they wanted to. Yeah. So, government...
3: Took the whole meat.
2: Yeah, took everything. Yeah. yeah. And just lives off of oil revenues Mm. and is able to just, like, loot and steal and wreck the country Mm. with reckless abandon Mm. because it does not need the country to work. It does not need the economy to run. It does not need tax revenue from the economy.
3: No, but it it also kind of does because, I mean, the the revenue from... The revenue from the oil... um, runs the country long enough for you to keep getting revenue from the oil. So, you kind of still need the country to run. No, you don't. Like, See, if
2: the way the Nigerian government sees it, Mm -hmm. see, if there was a way that all of us could just go to Canada (laughs) and just go leave the country, that's what government wants. (laughs) All of us, except for the oil workers and the bankers, should just go and leave them in peace. Okay. pump their oil, sell their oil, <laughs> share their oil money, and relax.
3: Okay. Now, before all of the corruption... Leila. Wait, calm down. Leila. <laughs>
2: Leila. go to Canada, stop asking us questions.
3: Ah. <laughs> before all the corruption... Sandra. Wait, calm down, face. Mm. Before all the corruption mm. eh, and all of the uh, mismanagement of mm. funds... Nigeria was still, um, you know, things were still good somehow. I mean, there was a time in this country where the Naira and the dollar were equal. There was a time in this country where you could travel anywhere you wanted. There was a time in this country where, where things were marginally better. And, you know, the normal human thing is progression, right? Not regression. So, what, what is it about us that is working against the law of nature? Because, you know, that's one of the things this, this podcast tries to address as well. Why is it that what applies everywhere else in the world doesn't seem to apply here? You know, why, why do we, why does it seem like it's just really difficult? Why does it seem like Nigeria is above law of economics and gravity and physics and everything else, you know? Why are we not progressing?
2: We're not progressing because we are not immune to the laws of economics and and the way the world works. Mm. Those laws are the ones keeping us down because mm. we keep insisting on doing the wrong things. Mm. We don't do the things that other people are doing. So let's talk about the economy. Mm. Now, oh, but first of all, I want to address something. Mm. You said there was a time when things were better. Mm. And I asked the question for how many Nigerians...
3: Okay, that's a
2: decent question. Because the point is that we always look back to the seventies mm-hmm. and even the eighties, and we say, "Oh, it was a much better time." Mm. But it was a much better time for our parents, mm-hmm. and when I say our parents, I mean your parents, Sandra, mm-hmm. and my parents, mm-hmm. Andy, who were middle class, ed, middle class, upper middle class, educated Nigerians,
1: mm.
2: college educated Nigerians. Mm. Who, but by the way, those are a minority of Nigerians in the 70s fair and 80s enough, and 60s. Fair enough, And most people in Nigeria in those days lived without electricity, without roads,
3: without water. Without the basic things. Without the basic things. Mm.
2: And so what we are seeing now is that that little oasis of uh, functional government mm. that our parents enjoyed is receding Because now the middle class is much larger Mm -hmm. than it was in my parents' day, your parents' day. That's right. And government is working at the same inefficient level.
1: That's right.
2: And so there's a lot less to go around.
1: Mm.
2: And so we are now feeling the strain and we are wondering why the country was better. No, the country was better because the middle class was smaller. But now, that's why it was better for the middle class. Yeah. But now the middle class is large and...
3: So we're all feeling it.
2: We're all feeling it. Mm. And the, the, the truth is that... Our governments, for decades, have not done the things necessary for growing the economy. That's a fundamental problem. Now, at first, you could say that that was because they got it wrong. They were honest mistakes. We mm. would call it honest mistakes. Mm. Oh, my bad.
1: You know, <laughs> Oops.
2: The, big, the biggest honest mistake was not knowing whether uh, free markets were better than planned command economies. Mm bear in mind that Nigeria came of age during the Cold War that's right and in the 60s and 70s most African nations did not know whether socialist, communist, command economies were, were, were a better option than free market laissez-faire systems they didn't know whether we should go east or west mm. and most of them end up with some crazy mixture of both some worse than others and that was part of what held us back. Mm. Now you look at a country like China that was in the fifties was abjectly poor. But eventually and but China was a communist nation. Mm. But eventually in the sixties, under uh, and 60s and seventies, especially under Deng Xiaoping, mm-hmm. China changed course mm. and embraced free markets little by little, embraced, you know, a more or less a fair attitude mm. and China grew but we flirted with and dabbled with command economies, especially under our military regimes. Mm. Our military regimes nationalized a lot of a lot of um, industries, corporations, businesses that that previously were private.
3: Bad, bad idea. Why do you think that was a good idea?
2: Because that was what was going on in the East. Mm. That was what was going on in the Soviet Union. Mm. That was what was going on in Cuba. Mm. That was what was going on in the entire Eastern Bloc. Mm. So, and those countries seem to be doing well, mm. so why don't we try that too? So, like mm. I say, honest mistake, our bad,
1: <laughs> you know. And we apologize. Yes,
2: we apologize.
1: <laughs> you know.
2: So that was what's was going on, and then add to that the whole oil thing, mm. the oil boom, and you know, go on saying nah, our problem is not money, but what to do with it. We have get money, not to spend it. Spend yes. Long,
3: long spending pounds, happy dollars. I'm a big boy.
2: I'm a giant of Africa.
3: You know that I'm a giant of Africa. Uh,
2: so, so, that's what got us into trouble. And, you know, so eventually so it got to the point where it didn't even... Oil, oil revenues were masking the problems with the economy. Hmm. And things were just getting worse, worse, and worse, and worse and worse and worse and worse. And then you had issues like then you had rampant corruption. And, you know, and the thing was also debt. Africans, African nations got into a lot of debt. Surely yeah. countries like Nigeria because, mm-hmm. and we're, we're back in that cycle of debt now, but in the 70s, scary. in the 70s and 80s, we were borrowing like it was going out of business. It was going <laughs> out of style. We were just borrowing money because, and everybody was glad to lend to us because we had all this oil revenue mm-hmm. and, you know, the Paris club doesn't care. Is so. it
3: scary that in the 58 in the 58 years that we have been independent we've been an independent nation not a lot has changed. Does that scare you? Does that surprise you? That not a lot has changed. You
2: no. Know, history repeats itself. Yeah. yeah, that's, you know, not a lot has changed because if you don't get the real the, the right lessons out of history yeah. things keep happening. That's right. And we just don't learn. Yeah. So <laughs> What
3: do the- you think we could have done different?
2: When at what point? So many things. And
3: in the beginning. in the, in the beginning, God said, "Let there be light."
2: In the beginning, um, we needed.
3: Let's agree that the contraption Nigeria should not even have happened to yes. begin with. Okay, fine. But it happened. It happened. And you know, we've said, you know what? We 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 grow now. I'm mm-hmm. a grown man. I need to move out of your house. I'm 18 now. Mm-hmm. So, uh, mommy says, "Okay, fine. Go live your life. Mm-hmm. Be an adult." What was, what should we have done at that point?
2: Well, the I think more powers should have been devolved to the regions. Mm. Um, more powers, I think, t- to an extent, the we should have found a way. We should have found a way to make the politics at the national level mm. less do or die. We could have, like, for instance, how could we have done that? Okay, we. You know, because it's very yeah.
3: easy for us to make all these, um, you know, proclamations and then not have like, you know, walkable step-by-step solutions. I
2: never make proclamations without walkable step-by-step solutions. Let's get
3: walkable solutions. We have two
2: now from Nigerian history. Hmm. One given us by Ibrahim Babangila mm-hmm. with his two national parties. Mm-hmm. But we have three. Mm-hmm. 1979 mm-hmm. basically said to us: Look, you cannot you cannot control the national government mm-hmm. unless you have your party. Has a strong electoral showing in all of the states or in a majority of states.
3: Have structure.
2: Yes. You, you, it's not just about, you can't just win because you are very you are very popular with your tribe. You have to show
3: that popularity you're popular with all everything. the tribes. Mm-hmm.
2: And that's a fundamental thing. Uh,
3: that's why um, what's his name could win nationally. Abiola. Yes. If yes. you haven't listened to that episode, by the way, you should go ahead and listen mm-hmm. to our June 12th episode. It's really mm-hmm. good. Yes.
2: Now the PDP gave us another solution, mm-hmm. rotation and zoning, mm-hmm. that says, look, you know what? Yeah, another tribe is gonna. It, this tribe is guaranteed to have this position this time around.
3: But didn't Tafawa Balewa and Nandia, Zikiwe and um, who was the third person again? Awolowo. Yes, didn't they do that? A no. version of that.
2: Well, no, I know. It, 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 it was a. It was only between. A variant a of that. It was a. As okay, I think okay. Amadu so, Bello. Tafawa Balewa, mm-hmm. and, uh, and Namjia Zikiwi. Yes. But well, what they had was a senior partnership and a junior partnership. Okay. So you had a senior partner, was the NPC in mm-hmm. the north. Mm-hmm. The junior partner was the NCNC in the east. Mm-hmm. And um, the NCNC got the presidency, mm-hmm. which was ceremonial. Mm-hmm. And the NPC got the prime ministership, which w- had all the power. And that left the action group, mm-hmm. our was action group, the Western Party, uh, completely and permanently... In the dark the loop. so there were it, it was not a complete solution
3: mm. which is why um what we have now with the senate works a little better so you have someone from one part see, another yeah. person from another another person from yeah. yes
2: so these are all the things but, but these, it's
3: still not even truly representative though
2: no it isn't because we see and that's the thing there's only so much you can do yeah because um the country i i i, I one of my one of my orgas,
1: <laughs>
2: one of my my guys from far on Twitter, uh, Mr. Andrew Ali, mm-hmm. always says that Nigeria is like a fractal mm-hmm. that you even within the tribes you divide Nigeria into tribes mm-hmm. and you say okay each tribe should have this thing so that that tribe will be happy.
1: Mm-hmm. Now
2: within that tribe, that internal division,
1: still that's
2: right. Uh, so they will now fight over that like, within the tribe. Mm-hmm. You take, each division has its own subdivisions okay. all the way down. Yeah. So. You can't keep like dividing the country, you can't keep trying to appease each tribe and each subdivision because, at the end of the day, there'll always be more.
3: Okay, so solutions what um IBB tried to do, what the PDP did, did you said there were three, wasn't third,
2: yes. And then, like I said, 1979, which is um, you must be popular everywhere, yeah, yeah. So, that's that all that is is just that's a political solution. <laughs> that's two, no, that's three. IBB's own was two national parties, mm-hmm. and basically. What he did was the, the political parties were owned by the government, mm-hmm. run by the government, mm-hmm. and so and there could only be two, mm. and so that means politicians from every tribe. Join either or. You had to just join either or. Mm. So basically, what you ended up
3: and with, those ones had ideologies.
2: Yes, one was a bit liberal, one was a bit conservative. Yeah, but it's an artificial solution. It's not the best, mm. you know. But any, what what it ended up with was parties were strong, were almost evenly matched in every, every. state,
3: which was good.
2: Which was good, but you know. You know, when too much government interference in anything can't be very good right. over time. That's but yeah, right. so you, what I'm saying is, at least we have ways to diffuse the political so, tension. Mm-hmm. So that's that's the that's one so, that's one set of solutions, mm-hmm. political solutions. Mm-hmm. Then on The economic side, we need to like, we need to remove economic power from government's hands. We need to government does not need to control big parts of the economy. And the market. Yes, not just the market, but even resources, hmm. like oil. There's no reason why government should own
3: oil. Sacre blue, How dare you, sir?
2: I dare. <laughs> oh, I
3: dare. <laughs> How dare you, monsieur? How can you say that government can also, uh, uh, what you say, uh, controls that oil?
2: Are you French or Arab?
3: I don't know. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, um... Monsieur Abdul, <laughs> I dare, no, because that's that's been the root cause of, of our problems. Mm. Is that now it makes government a juicy prize?
3: Yeah.
2: Oh, people will fight. About and, to
3: kill for. Yes, mm.
2: and it also puts government off the hook because mm. government doesn't have to work. Politicians don't have to work to grow the economy in order to, you know. Enjoy, mm-hmm. eat, and all. They can just share oil money. Yeah. So these are the reasons. This is one of the reasons that we have not worked up till now. Where we're, where we're regressing. We're regressing. We're regressing. And it, and the truth, like at the end of the day, like I, I was saying yesterday on Twitter, this thing comes down to the fact that we have a political elite who are not accountable to the people, mm. and that is no different than what we had under the British. The ruling elite. So we
3: traded white colonizers for black ones.
2: Exactly. Mm. That's the problem, and it remains that we now the British were able to keep their control because of uh, you know military superiority. Yeah. They have the guns. Yeah. That is why they could stay in power. Yeah. Today the political class have keeps, the money. They have the money. It's economic superiority, financial superiority. Mm-hmm. They use it to control elections. So what we need to start thinking about is. Those of us who want the country to work. Those of us, not just want, but who
3: need need the country country to work. work, We all do. Who
2: depend on it because we need the economy running because that's what makes sure that we can have good salaries. That's That's what makes makes sure, sure, exactly. That's what makes sure that we can send our kids to good schools. Mm -hmm. That's what makes sure that we can afford healthcare for ourselves. Mm -hmm. We need the economy to work. We need, then that means we need to be the ones who choose who rules us. Mm. We need to be the ones in control of the political process. Mm. But we have never been in control of the political process. Mm. That's the main problem. Mm. Whether it was under military rule or now civilian rule, we don't control the politics. Mm. Um, people with far more money than us who are getting their money from oil, from nationalized oil revenue, mm. are able to buy elections or pay thugs to rig the elections from them.
3: Okay, well, Andy, you you make some very fair points. And some people will tell you that for a nation to call itself truly dependent, that nation must demonstrate an ability to find homegrown solutions to a lot of its problems, you know, provide basic human necessities for a population that will be too much to handle by 2050. Um, Of course, find a way to eschew corruption <laughs> and respect the rule of law. I don't know why I laughed when I said that. It's possible. I actually believe that we can actually do away with corruption corruption um a nation that is truly independent must be able to respect the rule of law and place a lot of premium on its human capital do you think that we will ever get to a point where we embody this definition of true independence
2: i think it's possible
3: Mm
2: -hmm. uh, whether anything is possible yeah i think it's not just possible in the sense of anything being possible i think it's
1: anything can happen
2: no, I think it's it's well within reach.
1: Mm.
2: It's well within reach, but it's a question of are we willing to do the difficult things that we need to do to get there? And when I say we, I'm not talking about government. I'm not talking about those who generally have access to power. Mm. I'm talking about the rest of us who have to find ways to hold them accountable. Mm. Because the part of the problem we have here is we have a situation where a particular group of people have captured the country. They've captured governance, government in the country. And it's working for their benefit, Mm. and we are somehow miraculously expecting these people
3: to let it go. Yeah, it's like uh, Martin Luther King said, "Freedom is never voluntarily given by the oppressor; it must be demanded." I I wish I knew how to do voice impressions. It must.
2: It must be demanded.
3: Yeah, 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 Mm -hmm. by the oppressed. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, well, it's true. He's he's he's,
2: was right about that. Yeah, Yeah, we.
3: so they need to give us, you need to give yeah. power yeah. to the younger people. We,
2: why, why shouldn't, why doesn't government, do, see, they're not doing because they are greedy, selfish people. And they're also what we call rational actors hmm. because people do what they can get away with.
1: That's
2: right. And they've been able to get away with this. And at the end of the day, they don't really believe the country. Hmm. You know, we, we all have a problem there. When it comes to the patriotism thing, mm-hmm. if you you know patriotism is what allows you to give up on certain advantages, per, give up personal interest on behalf of something else. Yeah. you know, in this case, on behalf of the country, mm-hmm. the nation, something greater. But if that doesn't exist across the board,
3: mm-hmm.
2: you know, people will act in their own self-interest at the expense of the nation, and that's what our rulers have been doing.
3: They're not, patric- well, they're patriotic to their cause,
2: yes, but their cause is not Nigeria, their cause
3: is in Nigeria,
2: yes, and so you are expecting people who don't believe in Nigeria suddenly to act in Nigeria's interest
3: and take care of Nigeria, it's
2: not going to happen, that's right. So, we have to get to the point where we realize, and you know, two things make you make a people patriotic or make a people commit themselves to a collective hmm. it's either a shared love for each other or some sort of shared loyalty to each other mm-hmm. or re- recognition of a shared threat. Hmm.
3: And we have a shared threat. We baby. have
2: a shared threat. Yes, we do. And we realize that, look, we're all, you know, um, I think. Do true. we
3: even realize that we have a shared threat? No, we do don't. Do we realize that we are all in the same boat? All of us are getting really screwed. All of us.
2: Yeah. You, you know, what's often missed about, like, the American Revolution
3: mm-hmm.
2: is that the 13 colonies. Mm-hmm. We're not initially going to be one country. Hmm. They could have all asked for independence separately and all mm-hmm, of that, mm-hmm. but they all got together and decided to move together. Hmm. And one of the one of the leaders of the revolution famously said, um, "Gentlemen, we must all hang together, otherwise we will surely hang separately."
3: <laughs> and
2: that's the situation we have had in Nigeria for the last fifty eight years. We're
3: hanging separately. All of us
2: are hanging separately, and
3: we don't even know that we're hanging. We don't
2: realize, <laughs> and. And the worst part is the hangman has convinced all of us that the person swinging next to us in the gallows is the person responsible for our slow death. Mm. They've taught us to hate our fellow Nigerians Mm -hmm. because they're from a different tribe.
3: But hold up though, is is there a way to hate someone and still work with them? Because I I will use myself as an example. You know, Mm -hmm. in my workplace, um, my former boss used to say, yo, you don't need to be friends with your co-anchor. You don't need to be friends with your co host you just need to do the job at the end of the day the station is the job the show is the job so you can hate each other's guts but you put that mic on you do a goddamn good job and make sure that your show is great and then when you put the mic off you can go back to hating each other so is there no way that this can apply to us as a people because we keep preaching oh love each other oh unity and yeah 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 there's no all nice sounding things on paper but is there no way to make even the hate we have for each other work for us yes
2: as long as we recognize that we have mutual interests mm. then we don't have to like each other mm. to work together to build a country mm. we just have to hey there's these other people mm. they want the same things i want mm. and then and actually once you realize that it's harder to hate by the way that's right but the problem we have is apart from hatred mm-hmm. we also have distrust Ethnic groups are taught to believe that other other ethnic ethnic groups groups, out to get them. them. Mm. And so if we, if I work with you so that we can get power, you use that power against me. Mm. I will not, (laughs) I will not work with you. Never. God forbid. And that has been, that's, that's been the story of Nigeria. Mm. And and so you have people. So you end up with a situation where turkeys are voting for Thanksgiving Mm. in Nigeria, where people are choosing to follow Members of the political class Mm -hmm. who are plundering their country Mm -hmm. simply because, oh, he's from my tribe.
3: And he's from your tribe doesn't really mean shit at the end of the day.
2: Not to him. (laughs) <laughs> it, it only means something to him when he needs when your When it's time
3: for you to, you yes. know, mobilize.
2: Or, or he's about to get impeached yeah. or chased down for fraud, mm, uh, or about something. to get, get tried, and then he gathers all of you out in a bus and gives you uniforms and you go and you raise your placards to say, Leave our brother alone. You
3: Andy, like people legit defend somebody who some who people have said, Yo, he stole money. Is
2: he the only one that stole? Fam. When people from your tribe stole, Fam. why did you where didn't you talk? Like, we now are it's crazy. about oh, leave our brother <laughs> for us.
3: We're are so man, crazy,
2: he's our own man. He's a
3: thief, or he's No, but I mean, it begins to like people are always talking about. Oh, we've lost our way. or oh, we've lost what used to be the Nigerian dream. Have you heard that statement before?
2: I've heard it, and it always confuses me.
3: Because, like, I, I, I've I've sat down and and I've asked a bunch of people. What is a Nigerian dream? Is there a Nigerian dream? Every time I ask on Twitter, people turn it into bats. Yes. Say, to,
1: to, <laughs> to go to Canada. To, to travel. <laughs> <laughs> to leave the country.
2: Nigerian.
3: But, like, I feel like we make jokes because we don't actually know. Because there isn't any Nigerian dream.
2: No, because but how could there be a Nigerian dream? Like, there's barely a Nigeria.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Like, if you think about it, I mean, what I mean by that is, like, my generation... Mm-hmm. We're better. Is your
3: generation it. my generation?
2: Well, oh yeah, incidentally, um, since our last podcast, Sandra and I have both celebrated birthdays. Yeah, So we're both a year older.
3: I'm 19 years old. That's my story. I'm sticking to it. Shut up. <laughs> Andy, why are you quiet? You're going to make this whole thing come like. I'm sorry, <laughs> I, he- I, I did not
2: hear anything you said. I have no idea what you're talking about.
3: <laughs> anyway, yes, we've turned older. Let's go yes, on.
2: So we're both older, so, yeah. Yeah, I think you're part of my generation. Well, yeah, we're better about... I'm 19.
3: How can I be part of your generation?
2: People of our generation <laughs> are better about seeing themselves as Nigerians than mm. people from, say, our parents' or grandparents' generation. Mm. Those people saw themselves first as people from their tribe. Because they then-
3: experienced the wars. Even
2: those before the war. Like, mm. that's why the war happened in the first place was because people saw themselves more as their tribe than their country. as a
3: thief man before. Mm. And you can't blame them. The nation has failed them. Yeah. The the nation has failed the Nigerian from day one, but his tribe probably hasn't failed him. The
2: tribe has failed him repeatedly, all Mm. the time. Mm. But the tribe just does a good job of telling him that the other tribes are the enemy. But, I mean, if you think about it, like, what is a great thing your tribe has done for you
3: because you think about it you think about your state for instance mm-hmm. it's easy to say oh the government's the government mm-hmm. who's the government it starts like from your state it starts from your local councillor your local government chairman and then all the way to your representative in the house of assembly mm-hmm. all the way to your representative in the house of reps and then the senate before you get all the way to the president mm-hmm. so it's a long line of people who failing are from you. your tribe failing, failing, you failing you on the daily but like you're focusing only on the main one. Oh, not them not them they must die in power no 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 it's your own person who is out there at the top of affairs in your community not building your roads and allowing your primary health care centers to go to shit allowing um the, the state basically to fail allowing suit to kill you you know so it's like um, start there first before you move up to like the top tier of the government. You know. Oh,
2: well, I wouldn't say start there first. I'll say do both at the same time. Hmm. But I'll say, but then if you're doing both at the same time, hmm. then you realize that the problem is not the tribe. Hmm. Your problem is not that it's, it, the the attack on you is not tribal. Hmm. The attack on you is 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 a class attack.
3: Hmm.
2: It's the politicians against you.
3: It's us versus them.
2: Yes. And the us is in every single village in Nigeria. The
3: us is all of us. The
2: us is all of the
3: us. The them are 1%. Yeah. God, do you realize that? It's yeah. It's like,
2: like... See, there are like, way it's more 99. of ninety nine. There are way more of them than us. I keep saying like 10,000 people run this country. And like, we're like 100 million. So, like, we could take them.
3: You just said there's more them than us. Your math is so bad. No, I it? mean
2: there's more us than them. No, that was not math. That was... um. Oh,
3: your math is so bad. Is it? You, you're,
2: the, you're the reason. Yeah. <laughs>
3: <laughs> okay but like what do you think the nigerian dream could be um if we maybe we should ask so maybe leave us a comment on this podcast leave us a comment send us a tweet our twitter handle is um, how nigeria works um just let us know maybe maybe let's break it down to tribe what is the igbo dream what is the yoruba dream what is the Okreka dream what is the is it Okrika or Ijaw? I- dream.
2: You see, that's it. Fractal. So I'm Okrika, mm-hmm. but Okrika is a subgroup of the Ijaw.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So I'm both.
3: Okay, so what's the Okrika dream and what's the Ijaw dream? Land. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Good land.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Understandable, because you know, you're surrounded by water. Yes. You know? <laughs> we need land. <laughs> Oh, Andy just became a chief, by the way. Yes, yes. Chief Minapakabo. Yes, thank you.
2: One. Thank you. Yes. Of the... Uh, Okochiri.
3: Okochiri kingdom.
2: Yes, I'm, I'm now a chief. I'm now technically... Um, I'm a titled man. Hmm. I'm a traditional ruler, etc, hmm. etc. Et
3: so, but I don't have to, like, treat you fancy or anything. I, I asked you on Twitter, you blanked me. Don't I need to be fancy with you?
2: Well, a bow. Everyone wants What's to.
3: Why should I bow? Bend the knee. <laughs> Never. this is how war starts so maybe do you think maybe we should break it down to, like, what is the dream for each tribe, and then see if there's a correlation between all of the dreams, and then find a way to make that the Nigerian dream.
2: Because yes. I don't
3: even know what the Nigerian dream is. I
2: think, personally, I think that everybody has the same dream, more or less. Well, everybody, you know, every every people,
1: hmm.
2: every nation has the same dream, hmm. and that is, like, the ability to create a better life for for themselves, and mm-hmm. for their... And for their, the
1: people. Yeah,
2: and to live a better life than their parents live hmm. and lived, and to have their children live a better life than they live. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the fundamental thing that makes us all human and brings us all together. Uh, the problem we have is oftentimes we are told that other people are the ones stopping us from achieving that.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And you see that here in Nigeria with our tribes. Mm-hmm. You see that in America, with Trump telling the people that it's the Mexicans and mm-hmm. it's the war. You, it, you see it in Britain and Brexit and mm-hmm. it was immigrants. And, you know, everywhere, everywhere, people are being told that somebody else is the reason why you can't have the things that you dream for. And
3: I remember reading an article somewhere and the writer was asking what it is that we were doing wrong. Why, why, what is it that we're not doing right? And this author went on to answer and say that primarily it was the absence of the right attitude by all the stakeholders, you know, basically saying, yes, Nigerians are seeking change, but they do not want to change The attitude that has made Nigeria the way Nigeria currently is. Well, I don't know because it's that same attitude that is saying at them.
2: Yeah, if it's that, like you know, you know, you know me, I've been, I'm a broken record, Mm. and I keep on saying that. Last, last, what it comes down to is we need to like, we need to take back, take control. control. Yes, we need to stop being passive Mm. during elections. We need to organize, and we need to take control of the electoral process mm-hmm. so that those who end up governing the country
3: mm-hmm.
2: fear us kicking them out
3: of office Oh, us i remember you saying that until that's powerful, by the way
2: yeah you
3: know oh. they, they need to be accountable to us yes yes and not to the people whom from whom they borrow money to um
2: to to, to, to for run election. for office yes we, you know? we need to be their godfather
3: yes not we need to be the political godfather yeah. uh, can, can we be the godfather
2: Yes, we can, but, you know, if we just... The problem is... It's, it's hard work.
3: You know, you're always saying, Andy, that um, there needs to be a party funded by the middle class. Yes. Everybody's not going to be in a party funded by the middle class. And who's to say that this party funded by the middle class will go up against um, one of the old parties, an ABC or a PDP? And when? Who's to say that that's going to happen? It, it's, I mean, it's, we have the Conservatives and the Labour mm-hmm. and the, and the, uh, what's it called, um, the... What's it in America again? The Democrats, Democrats and, Republicans, and Republicans. You know, so it's 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 a pendulum. It's, it swings it's both pendulum. ways. Yeah, yeah it's so, a and you know And what's
2: going to happen is, and that's all I want. I don't want a situation where one party wins all the time. Hmm. What I want is a situation where you have different parties representing different interests. Hmm. And then you now have a situation where the politics is sanitized hmm. And people can't just go and write results and win elections by writing results. Mm. There actually it's actually becomes a serious competition. Mm. When that happens, you start to have independent people determining who, who wins, mm. and that's the natural order. You just you like you mentioned, lab, labor and conservatives in mm. in Britain. You know, you had initially the Whig Party, that's right. and eventually you had the Whigs and the Tories, mm-hmm. and the Whigs and the Tories were both parties that belonged to the aristocratic class. Mm-hmm. Then eventually in the eighteen hundreds. I think it's the 1800s or the 1700s. Sorry, fact check me, somebody. The um the you the liberal party came up, uh-huh. and the liberal party was a middle class party, uh-huh. funded by the middle class, representing industrial interests. And they now started fighting with the Whigs and the Tories, and they didn't win all the time. Uh-huh. Sometimes the Tories won, sometimes the Liberals won. Uh-huh. And then eventually, in the 20th century, the Labour Party came up, representing right. labour, the mm-hmm. labour unions. So now you had these three parties. The Conservative Party represented the aristocrats, the Liberal Party represented the middle class, mm-hmm. and the Labour Party represented the working class. Yeah. And they were fighting over elections, over policy, over ideology, and no one party won all the time. Mm.
3: That's what you want.
2: That's what I want. And mm. that's what moves the country forward when all the vested interests in the country and have political representation mm. and there is now a battlefield of ideas.
3: Okay, well, this is where we wrap up the podcast for today, I think. We have done a pretty good job of tracing this thing back to its roots, where we said, to start with, we shouldn't have even been made a country. And then we were made a country, and we were not given the right tools for the country to work. Mm -hmm. And then the people who were left in charge or who decided, oh, we're grown enough, We 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 can wear the big boy pants now. Um, did not go Alarming with belts. Overconfidence. <laughs> Alarming overconfidence. They forgot to carry their belts along. And so the pants slipped and tripped them up. And uh, we went down, down, down. And here we are, 58 years later, always asking the question, should we have gotten independent at the time we got independent?
2: Yes, that's, I mean... Look, I, I'm no, I'm, no, I'm never going to be one of those who says, "Oh, the British should have stayed on." Mm. You know, the British are the, well,
3: should they have stayed on a little longer.
2: No, because were they going to do the serious work of getting the people who they conquered mm. prepared to govern themselves? No, they no, were they never going to do the yeah. job. So we're just going to have to figure it out for ourselves. It was.
3: It was always going to remain an exploited.
2: Shame on the British. Shame <laughs> on the British.
3: Okay. All right. His name is Andy, by the way. You can deny him visa if you want.
2: The football team sucks.
3: (laughs) Look forward to our next episode. Um, We're going to be talking about something pretty interesting. We're going to try as much as possible to not let it stay too long before we bring you new episodes. We're going to practice what we preach and work. Yes. But we we won't solve that we're gonna work (laughs) we will work thank you so much for listening thank you uh, so much for your patience we apologize for not being consistent we'll try and do so much better follow andy on twitter at andyroydo follow me on twitter at ssqc we're very very Um, interesting people on twitter if i do say so myself and of course follow our twitter handle how nigeria works but doesn't again until the next episode enjoy your day happy independence day bye